I grew up in a very conservative Christian school, and in history class, we always spent a lot of time on the early Christian church, um, especially learning about how um, the early Catholic church was formed and some of the early popes, and then how Martin Luther came in and made it all right because Catholics are dirty, evil sinners who are all going to rot in hell. Um, But no, I don't really believe that. But we did spend a lot of time learning about the early church, but for some reason, we didn't learn about some of the people we're going to talk about today. It's our weird world. Our weird world. Welcome to Our Weird World. I'm your host, John Henson, and uh, today we're going to have some fun. It's going to be a lighter episode for once. I feel like, feel like we haven't had a lot of those lately. Um, but we're going to learn about some of the early popes in the, in the early Christian church and uh, just how mind-bogglingly insane they were. Um, you know, if, if you're kind of a, a skeptical person or you're skeptically you know religious or on the fence about religion this doesn't this is this episode's not going to do a lot to affirm any sort of faith you might have uh the the early christian church was very corrupt um and a lot of things were done in the name of jesus that jesus himself probably would have been like you know not okay with um so i just i find that very interesting you know and, and how hypocritical it all was So, without further ado, let's jump into story time today. Story time. We're going to be looking at four stories today. Uh, We're going to be looking at... uh, the popes, uh, Popes Innocent the Eighth, Alexander the Sixth, and Julius the Third. But before we get started on that, uh, we're going to jump in and talk about the papal pornocracy. Uh, and this, the, the papal pornocracy, is the name that was given to this really strange time in the early Catholic Church when uh, the Church and and Christianity and overall was governed by a group of prostitutes. Um, Once these prostitutes rose to power, uh, they legalized and openly performed pornographic acts, both inside and outside church grounds. Nothing here was off limits. Like if you could find a hole, it was fair game. And I mean, this included like ears, nostrils, belly buttons, you know, just anything you could, you know, start humping. Um, even non-traditional forms of sex were openly encouraged, such as bestiality, uh, you know, like putting it in between the couch cushions or that like soft squishy part on the inside of the refrigerator door. Um, you know, obviously, you know, that wasn't around back then, but you get the idea. Uh, people were required, not just encouraged, but they were openly required to have sex at least five times per day. And anyone who did not adhere to this rule was castrated and sterilized. And um, also, fun fact, this is where the missionary position originated, believe it or not. Um, And of course, none of that is true. (laughs) Like, I hope you, like, stopped believing me when I said the part about the refrigerator door. Um, 
instead the the papal pornocracy was a real period in the church but it does it, it actually refers to a period of papal rule that was heavily influenced by the corrupt uh theophylactus family and this family you know it's like the early italian mob or whatever but uh, this this family exercised their influence with conspiracies affairs and arranged marriages uh for example morosia theophylactus uh <laughs> and you know i wonder if that no and anyway forget it um Morosia Theophylactus uh, became a mistress for Pope Sergius III at age 15. Um, And at some point, while she was whoring herself out to the Pope and several other people, uh, she had a son and arranged for him to become Pope John XI by ordering the murder of Pope John X. You know, but no, all for Jesus, you guys. Um, Another pope who ruled during the pornocracy was Stephen VI. Um, And for whatever reason, Stephen really hated Pope Formosus, who was his penultimate predecessor. So not the pope before him, but like two popes before him. Uh, Stephen thought that it was... It was perfectly reasonable to, uh, once Formosus died, to exhume his corpse and put it on trial in what became known as the Cadaver Synod. Uh, in front of a very uncomfortable and unwilling Roman clergy, Formosus, uh, his dead body was propped up on a throne. And because he had been dead for over a year, he obviously couldn't speak for himself. So this unlucky deacon was appointed to speak for him. Uh, Stephen came in. And he laid all the charges out for the jury, which included perjury, serving as a bishop when he was actually a layman, and, quote, transmigrating seas in the violation of canon law, which I don't know what that means, but it's probably just some made up crap from, you know, the church or whatever. Um, Not surprisingly... The Formosus's corpse was found guilty, but that wasn't enough. Stephen then stripped Formosus of his papal robe, cut off what was left of three fingers on his right hand, and then formally invalidated all of his acts as pope, which actually included Formosus' ordination of Stephen VI as bishop of Anagni, uh, but, you know, well, that doesn't matter. Uh, Stephen then ordered the body to be buried in a graveyard set apart for foreigners, but then he decided to dig it up again, tie it to weights, and throw it into the Tiber River. Um, Not surprisingly, the public reacted very negatively to all of this. Uh, Stephen was deposed and imprisoned a few days later, and within weeks he was strangled to death by another prisoner. Later that year, uh, new Pope Theodore II annulled the cadaver synod, rehabilitated Formosus' status as Pope, and then ordered Formosus' body to be reburied in the pontifical vestments of St. Peter's Basilica. Um, All of that is absolutely nuts, but it actually happened. Um, Like... But for, but for Jesus, you guys, it was all for Jesus. Jesus would have been totally okay with it. He was clearly okay with it. He ordained all of this. Anyway, uh, on to our next story. Uh, now we're getting into some more specific popes, and this is the story of Pope Innocent VIII. Um, his real name was Giovanni Battista Saibo, and he was born in Genoa, Italy in 1432. His father was a viceroy and senator in Rome under Pope Calixtus III, which meant that Giovanni got to spend a lot of time in various government courts. Uh, when he got older, he was appointed a canon of the Cathedral of Capura and given the priory of St. Maria di Arba in Genoa, which sounds really important, but I mean, it generally doesn't mean anything at all. Um, he eventually moved to Rome, and when he was there, once he got there, Giovanni became a priest under Cardinal Calandrini, the half-brother of Pope Nicholas V. Uh, he was then made Bishop of Savona by Pope Paul II, before eventually becoming a cardinal in 1473. On August 29th, 1484, so uh, 11 years later, he finished his ascent in the church by becoming Pope Innocent VIII. 
Now, not everything was really smooth for Innocent. The Papal Conclave of 1484, which was the what they called their elections, uh, divided the church pretty severely. Uh, Cardinal Camerlingo, in an attempt to prevent Cardinal Barbo from winning the papacy, visited several other cardinals and bribed them to vote for Innocent instead. Innocent happily took the throne and immediately tried to start a crusade against the Turks. Uh, the people you know, reluctantly agreed and began making efforts to overthrow King Ferdinand I of Naples, whose oppressive rule had started a local rebellion. So there's just all this stuff going on, you know, at, like Innocent had to basically, you know, basically won the papacy because two other people just hated each other and couldn't agree on who should be the pope. And then he tries to start a crusade against the Turks and then also another war against the king of Naples because he was also a dick. Anyway, however, arguably the biggest issue that Innocent faced during his time as pope was an outbreak of penis-stealing witches that were terrorizing Germany. Uh, if you remember back in our uh, Halloween episodes back in October, uh, this was where Malleus Maleficarum came up. Uh, you know, came up with. Um, and just as a refresher, uh, all of this started when Heinrich Kramer, a German inquisitor, believed that a group of six women had conjured the devil to assist the murder of a noble knight named Jörg Spies. Uh, Kramer proceeded over the trial himself, but several witnesses gave testimony that indicated they all had personal vendettas against the, the women who were accused. In the end, all seven women were acquitted and Super disappointed in that, Kramer began to work out on writing his masterpiece, Malleus Maleficarum, to finally prove to the world that witches were actually real and infecting Europe with their dark magic. Um, the scary part is that practically everyone believed this, and Kramer's book was the second best-selling book behind the Bible for years, centuries even. Um, over the next few years, uh, you know, Innocent uh, performed various papal duties and otherwise kept things moving. But in July 1492, he contracted a severe fever and was allegedly given the world's first blood transfusion by Jewish doctor Giacomo di San Genicio. Um, but rather than simply injecting him with blood like a normal transfusion, Giacomo drained the blood from three 10-year-old boys who obviously died and then made Innocent drink their blood. Um, obviously, that did not work, and Innocent died a few days later on July 25th. Um, and that's that's really why he's just in this episode. It's just a weird way to die. Um, all the other stuff was just kind of backstory. Um, our next pope is Alexander VI, uh, born Rodrigo de Borja. Uh, he was born on January 1st, 1431 in a small town near Valencia, Spain. Uh, because his uncle was Pope Calixtus III, Rodrigo lived a very luxurious life studying law in Bologna. And I, I think it's Bologna. It's not Bologna. It's spelled Bologna, like if we're eating Bologna, but I think it's Bologna, Italy. Um, and he graduated as, quote, the most eminent and judicious jurisprudent, 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 there it is, in his class, whatever that means. I probably just, he's a super nerd. Um, he was quickly named a deacon and then quickly promoted to a new cardinal position that was created for his city. The next year, he was then appointed vice chancellor of the Holy Roman Church. So he is ascending the church really fast. Uh, for the next several years, Rodrigo served under five different popes, Calixtus III, Pius II, Paul II, Sixtus IV, and Innocent VIII. And by all accounts, everyone loved him. Like, he was super handsome. He could, you know, kind of convince you into doing anything, which is super scary for someone who has a lot of power. Um, you know, all of the women wanted him. All of the men wanted to be him. And after uh, Innocent VIII died from drinking the blood of children, uh, Rodrigo was elected Pope and took the name Alexander VI after buying the most votes with four mule loads worth of silver. Um, 
if you couldn't tell, the race to become pope was just a very corrupt business. You could literally just buy your buy the the papacy if you wanted. Um, Alexander immediately began appointing various family members to important posts, which irritated other leaders in the papal states. Uh, after fighting various wars and allegedly poisoning cardinals he didn't like, uh, Alexander kind of just settled into a nice routine of just being a really corrupt pope. Um, on August thirty, on October thirtieth, fifteen o one. Uh, Alexander presided over what came to be called the Banquet of Chestnuts, hosted by his son, Cardinal Cesar Borgia. Um, historians kind of argue over whether or not this actually happened, but most accounts suggest that as many as 50 prostitutes arrived at Cesar's apartment complex to entertain the banquet guest by providing all kinds of sexual favors. It was a really, really cool party. Um, it kind of just began innocently, like, you know, as the prostitutes stripped after dinner, but the prostitutes then, once they got naked, um, they the candles were taken off the tables and placed on the floor i guess for visual effect um chestnuts this is how the banquet got its name chestnuts were then thrown all over the floor as the naked prostitutes crawled around and picked them up you know at middle age entertainment was super weird after the chestnuts were retrieved they held uh, the prostitutes held a competition to see which of the banquet guests could ejaculate the most with help from the prostitutes um Sure, <laughs> whatever. Uh, there were even prizes for uh, the most fluid dispensed, which included silk tunics, silk tunics and shoes. Super gross. Um, two years later, 72-year-old Pope Alexander was having dinner with Cesar and Cardinal Adriano Castellesi when everyone got really sick. Um, in fact, it got so bad that Cesar's skin began peeling from his face and turning purple. Um, somehow, though, he ultimately recovered and ended up living. Uh, Alexander, however, wasn't so lucky. Uh, six days later, Alexander died from this mysterious illness after, you know, repenting for all of the awful things he had done as Pope. Uh, the next day, his body was put on display for mourners in Rome, though they had to cover him with uh, a giant cloth because his illness had already rapidly decomposed his body. Uh, his skin was swollen and it had turned black. Um, it had started already leaking that nasty, rotting smell. Um his, his lips and his nose were covered in brown mucus, and his tongue actually just fell out of his mouth. Um, and although the custom at the time was for each devoted follower of the dead pope to come by and kiss the corpse's feet or hands, literally no one had the balls to go up and do that. It was like he was that gross, and I don't blame them. Um, historians believe that Cesar had actually poisoned his father in an attempt to assassinate Adriano, but then in some weird, wacky mix-up, like everyone ended up poisoning themselves. Um, Alexander's body was eventually moved to Santa Maria in Santa Maria in Monserrato degli Spagnoli, the National Church of Spain in Rome. Uh, the succeeding Pope Julius II actually refused to stay in the same rooms that Alexander had inhabited to, in protest of the way he had held the papacy because he was just that corrupt. Um, the Borgia's apartments, where the alleged banquet of chestnuts took place, was actually then sealed off until the 1800s. So, crazy stuff. Uh, the last story today is Pope Julius III. Uh, he was, uh, his real name was Giovanni Maria Chiocchi del Monte. Uh, he was born on November 12, 1514, and grew up studying law in various cities in Italy. Um, he was actually one of the hostages that was given over to Emperor Charles V during the sack of Rome in 1527, but he was somehow able to escape execution. Uh, although he spent a lot of time in the church, Giovanni actually made him made a name for himself as an expert on church laws rather than biblical doctrine. Uh, it helped that his uncle was the Archbishop of Manfredonia in southern Italy, which actually allowed him to ascend to that same position when his uncle became the cardinal. 
After serving two non-sequential terms as governor of Rome, Giovanni then became a cardinal. When Pope Paul III died in 1549, a group of 48 cardinals divided into three different factions and and just couldn't agree over who should be the new pope. Uh, Because the French and German cardinals couldn't agree with each other, Giovanni then just threw his own hat into the ring as a sort of compromise, which somehow worked because the French and Germans both agreed they didn't like him. But since... They couldn't decide on who they liked together. They just are like, all right, well, we both don't like him, so I guess we can agree on that. We'll make him the Pope. Um, Even though, you know, that logic doesn't make any sense, uh, Giovanni won the papacy and took the name Julius III. Uh, Julius made several attempts to reform the church, but nothing really ever happened out of it. Uh, He eventually got frustrated and moved to a palace he had built for himself, emerging occasionally just to do ceremonial Pope stuff and make it look like he was actually doing his job. And so because of that, several scandals occurred during his reign. The biggest one revolved around Julius's adopted nephew, Innocenzo Ciocchi del Monte. I think it's Ciocchi. C-I-O-C-C-H. I don't know what, like, those weird Italian words with the double Cs. I think it's Ciocchi. Ciocchi? Ciocchi? Innocenzo. Innocenzo. Innocenzo del Monte. That's what it will be. Uh, Innocenzo had been a teenage beggar before he was hired as a houseworker by Julius's family. Uh, when Julius took the papacy, Julius then made Innocenzo a, quote, cardinal nephew, which was a position he just made up because he could. He's pope. I'm Pope, making up positions. Um, he gave Innocenzo all kinds of benefits, which then got people talking about how weird their relationship was. Um, despite advice from various cardinals that he should probably explain himself and why he was doing so much for a boy that wasn't even his biological relative, Julius ignored all of them and just kept showering Innocenzo with benefits. Eventually, poets and other writers of the time incorporated the scandal into their works, which then just only allowed the scandal to grow even bigger. Things eventually got to the point where people were talking about how jealous uh, Julius was over the boy and how he openly bragged about how good the boy was in bed, because obviously that's where it was headed, you guys. Of course he was, you know, molesting the boy or, you know, willingly or not. I don't know. Um, by, by the time Julius died in 1555, everyone was living under the assumption that Julius was banging his adopted nephew and, and maybe he was, I, no one really knows for sure. Um, he never, Julius never made an effort to deny any of those allegations. And so this is kind of where the, the whole idea probably, at least in my mind, the whole stigma around popes and Catholic priests, you know, molesting young boys kind of started. And with that, that's that's a good place to end for today, for sure. Well, there we go. Um, Hopefully you learned something today. Uh, I don't think a lot of people knew about a lot of these early popes, um, you know, or, or just kind of how the whole process worked. I mean, believe it or not, my school, unless I just am completely misremembering this, my school taught that, um, you know, when a new pope is elected, the the big chimney or whatever will, you know, plume out white smoke. You know, if, it, if it's darker smoke, then it means that they don't have a pope yet. But if it's pure white smoke, it means they have a pope. And, and I was taught that when the white smoke came out, that God had chosen a new pope. And in reality, um, you know, a pope had just bought the seat or, you know, 
all the Cardinals finally, you know, came to an agreement on who they liked, not who God liked. But whatever. That's neither here nor there. Let's see what we really learned today. What did we learn? Number one, Pope Stephen VI literally exhumed the body of a former pope and put that corpse on trial because he was an insane person. Um, It became known as the Cadaver Synod, and people were not really okay with that at all. Um, Number two, Pope Innocent VIII was involved with uh, Malleus Maleficarum. He fully believed uh, in Heinrich Kramer's book um, and approved of a lot of the witch hunting that took place in Europe to obviously get rid of all of the, you know, witches stealing wieners and stuff. Uh, And number three, Pope Julius III is likely where all of the uh, Catholic, you know, priest rape and schoolboys jokes originated um, with his adopted, you know, nephew Innocenzo um, and openly bragging about how good he was in bed. Allegedly, no one has full proof of this, but Julius never really denied it. Next week on Our Weird World, we are going to like actually pivot from talking about people for once, and we're going to talk about boats. Um, I promise it will actually be interesting. Uh, we're going to hear some stories about some boats that obviously sank. Um, I know I'm not really selling this one very well, but I promise you it will be interesting. Please believe me on that. Thank you for listening. Tell all your friends and keep it weird. <laughs>